Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. We're doing the Tuesday podcast early for you guys because something very, very important happened within the NFL Draft and football world in general, and that is Willie Gay declared. Yes, linebacker out of Mississippi State. Yes, the man who gets away with punching his own starting quarterback the week of the bowl game yet goes on to start is now in the NFL Draft. Forgot that there was actually something news and noteworthy about Willie Gay when I made the joke. There you go. (laughs) Willie Gay is like the next Vontez perfect. I mean, like, I hate saying that, but that is so easy to say at this point because he's, like, been suspended for a bunch of stuff, yet he was one of the best defensive players on the field when he was healthy. He punches his own quarterback so he can't play in the ball. I mean, the guy's all over the place. He's actually pretty good, though. I actually like Willie Gay, but (laughs) dude's an absolute loose cannon. We're not here to talk about Willie Gay. Podcast is good. It's on the rails. 30 seconds in. We're not here to talk about Willie Gay, although we just did, so I guess technically we were. What we are mostly here to talk about is the fact that former Alabama quarterback wow. Tua Tungavailoa is entering the 2020 NFL Draft. He made it official on Tuesday at his press conference announcing that he will be foregoing the rest of his collegiate eligibility and will be putting his name into the pool. Ben, let's just get it kicked off right here. Where do we think Tua goes? Because... We're looking at one of the most prolific passers, not just in Alabama, but in college football history. He's got a bad injury history to go along with that accomplished history. So how much do you weigh that one way or the other? I was having a con- a, uh, a conversation with some people on Twitter during the or right after the announcement saying, I don't think this guy gets out of the top 10. What are your views on what, what the outlook on Tua could be right now? Right, so I already reject your premise, right? I already... You know, I have, have a, a sneaky way to get around a question I don't want to answer. Okay, great. Um, you, just you, are, you always Wait, do this. Like, You're very conniving with how you can, I know. can get around I, I'm, I'm a politician in this way. It's if you a don't skill. like the question, it, no, it's a, absolutely reject the skill. premise of the question. Yeah. So, what do you have? You have uh, uh, Derek Brown, Auburn. Where does he go, Trevor? Where's he going to go in the draft? I would say somewhere between like 4 and 10. And that, I would say that because I think that there's a few players in this draft better than Derek Brown, maybe four or five, but there's no way there's 10 players in this draft better than Derek Brown. So he's going to go somewhere in there. That's his range. That's uh, where we're expecting to be ranked by most teams boards. Then he Fair. plays a position that doesn't get devalued, doesn't get super valued. So he's probably going to go somewhere between four and 10. And that's mm-hmm. the range I would give Derek Brown. You can do that with quarterbacks where you say, all right, there's roughly this many more players better and this, this many players who are worse. And this is the range in which they'll go, but you have to be able to adjust for value, right? Which is like Burrow is probably not the best player in this draft. It's probably Chase Young, but Burrow's range is still 1-1 because we know he's going to Cincy. He has to. Yeah. You need that player in Cincinnati. So that, that's the tricky thing, right? With Tua, you can't run that exercise because talent perspective, two to four, <laughs> right? In terms of right. the value that he brings, right? Right. Like that, so there's that. But you and I both know that we can't place Tua in a specific range because Tua now stands out as a distinct prospect relative to 95% of prospects, which is to say there's a question about Tua, which carries with it significantly more risk than any other prospect. And all prospects carry risk. All prospects are not guaranteed to be good NFL players. Many prospects have off-field baggage. Many prospects have injury concerns. Many prospects have scheme transitions, so on and so forth. With two other risks, is magnified. It's multiplied by a thousand because 
two high uh, ankle sprains, both legs, and now a significant hip injury. He has been markedly injured over the course of his college career and is entering the draft at a place of injury. He will not be participating in the full NFL draft cycle. He will not throw at the combine, I don't think. Or, no, I mean, you know, no, do, no, do, do no. He, he's not, he's not going to do anything. We saw the last right, of Tua showing us what he can do on a football field right. as a football player. He, he's not going to do come into, right, He's going to come into camp rusty, you know, so all these things. So because he carries so much more risk, every single team starting in that projected range that we always have for Tua, which was like two to four, like I said, has to ask, them, ask themselves the question of, is this pick relative to the rest of players on the board, relative to the rest of the players on our roster, worth the risk of selecting Tua? Is the, is, does the reward outweigh the risk here? And for every pick in that range, that question will be asked. And because we don't really know how risky the Giants are going to get, the Redskins are going to get trading, the Lions are going to be, we don't know how risky the Dolphins are going to be with three first overall picks, right? We don't know how risky we're going to get in the Chargers at six and the Panthers at seven and the Jaguars at nine and the, the Raiders at 12 and the Colts at 13 and the Bucks at 14. We, we I cannot tell you what medical information they're going to receive over the next five months right? and how aggressive they're going to be on this one particular question. So where's Tua going to go? Between two and thirty-two, like that's where he's gonna go, and and that's that. In terms of a range, that's what you would expect. Now, for every team that needs a quarterback in the draft order, subsequently, it becomes more and more likely he eventually gets picked. Right? If we like talk like just the Dolphins at five, well, whatever the percent chance is, twenty-five percent is whatever it is. But once you introduce the Chargers at six and the Panthers at seven, now there's three cracks at the bat. It's more likely he goes between five and seven than like just five, right? Because you're just increasing your your chances, that's just sample size things. So sure, like you you say he's probably not getting out of the top 10. I'm inclined to agree with you. I'm inclined to agree that the the, the Tua Tungavailoa we've seen at Alabama playing healthy, the film he's put out, the leadership he showed, the, the play in big moments like we talked about in the Monday podcast, is enough to indicate to me that this is a, a top 10 talent when he's healthy, and at least one team in the top 10 will be willing to take the risk and say, we think he's going to be healthy again, so we're going to draft him. But right. it's not that neat, and it's it's not that easy. I, I don't so, think that it's. I don't think that it's that neat. Maybe, but I think that this is just the way that it is. Everything comes down to his medicals, right? I mean, like the dude on the field has been phenomenal in in so many different ways. You know, we talked about clutch performances on yesterday's podcast, and Tua has played in so many huge games. I think for Alabama, you, you could start at the very beginning of his career when he came in in relief in the national championship game and delivered a beautiful ball to uh, Devontae Smith to win them a national championship. You know, like that's a, that's a crazy way to start a career, and Tua has been so good ever since then on the field. This guy is absolutely somebody who you could look at and think we're drafting him as a franchise changer. And with that comes not getting out of the top 10, probably not even getting out of the top five for what we talk about how good Tua can be when he's healthy. Everything comes down to these medicals. And I don't even necessarily think it's it's the ankles in which he's had two surgeries, one on each one of his ankles, which are somewhat concerning. The medicals here are having to do with the hip injury. How severe is this hip injury? How hurt really is this guy? Because we can hear from individual reports saying like, oh, the doctors think he'll make a full recovery or this or that. Or Tua saying, yes, I would like to play next year. But but he also said in his announcement that you really don't know until 
that three, four month out from surgery MRI. Right. So I think that you and I talked about this a little bit. It's going to be I've, the most closely watched MRI in the history of oh, America. Dude, without a doubt. Bro, when I was watching the decision, Tua's decision, from the moment that Saban started talking, I knew that he was declaring. It was just the tone yeah. at which Saban was talking, the words that he was using, how he was talking about the situation. You knew that Tua was declaring. And yet I was on the edge of my seat until Tua himself said, the decision I have made is that. And then he said that he was going to answer the draft pool. My big thing with Tua, and the only thing that I could come up with, the only reason that I could come up with for him to go back to school is if he was going to fail combine medicals. Because if he was going to fail combine medicals, then you're in a situation where it's like, okay, you might as well go back because we can kind of have gloom and doom medical uh, diagnosis when injuries happen or even like close to when injuries happen. For example, look at Jalen Smith, right? When Jalen Smith injured his knee, the whole thought was this guy may never play again. Like, like it just, it's, it's, it's an injury where it just looks like he's not ever going to play again, but you know what? They gave it time. They let him heal. They let more than a year go by and they just let this guy do everything he can to get the proper rest rehab exactly the way that he needed to. And you know what? He's a hell of a linebacker now. He's not only playing, he's not only starting, but he's a recognized all pro type of linebacker now in the NFL, which is, which is crazy. And it's an amazing story. That's the way that I look at this Tua situation. And the only reason I would have seen for him to go back is if he was going to fail combine medicals in a month. If, because if he's going to fail medicals, that's bad. That's really bad. Then we're talking about, okay, his draft stock could be all over the place for where he might be drafted. So in that regard, I agree with you. It opens up the door for, I think, where he could possibly go to be very vast. But... If this guy is healthy, even if you know you might not get him for next season, if you're just going to medically redshirt this guy for an NFL year, I mean, I said this on Twitter, if you let him completely rest and heal from everything, not just the hip, but the ankles, the you know, you teach him how to rehab, become a little bit stronger in different ways, obviously get into the NFL, get acclimated to NFL life, get used to his coaches, get used to the playbook, get used to the players, all this kinds of stuff. If you just give him that full year, Tua is still 23 years old if he were to be a starter in 2021. That's worth it to me. That's worth a top 10 draft pick this year to me, even if you give me that. Even if you give me the longest timeline possible of him taking more than a year off, I'll take it with Tua. And that's why I don't think that he gets out of the top 10. If he passes combine medicals, I think that he's, yeah, I think he's a top 10 lock. I think that seven's probably the absolute floor for him. Because now, now let's get into the discussion. Let's talk about teams that might need him. Let's assume that he's going to be okay with medicals. Okay, Look at some teams that are picking in the first round. Who are some teams that really intrigue you and, and, got, and teams that could maybe risk it all if he is healthy to move up for a guy like this? Miami is where you start, right? And you say, listen, coming into the season, the plan was lose and draft two at one. Nothing went according to plan, but what if I told you you could draft two at five? Yeah. 
And like that, just in a vacuum, that sentence is like, all right, deal. Now, the context added is, Tua's may, maybe will never be healthy again. And now the, the risk is incurred. However, you're drafting at five and not at one. And if you, have, if you, if you hear that and you say, well, it, that's not much of a difference. It's a huge difference in terms of the, the value of missing on one versus the value of missing at five is, is, is completely different because of how much power the pick one gives you to control the draft. It's true. Missing on your quarterback is missing on your quarterback, but still. And the thing about the Dolphins is like, even if they don't think two is going to make it to five because the Panthers are trying to trade up the three with the Lions, the Dolphins have more capital than anybody else does to move up. So if the Dolphins are willing to draft Tua, the Dolphins will get Tua. Whereas like you could say with the Chargers, the Chargers might be willing to draft Tua, but they get beat out by somebody. The, the Buccaneers might be willing to get draft Tua, but they may get beat out by somebody. If the Dolphins want him, they will get him. They have more capital and they have control at five. So they're the first team that sticks out. Would they be willing to do it? It's a it's it's a first year head coach, you know, and, and it, it's in the middle of a tank. Like it's such a hard question to even you don't even know what angle to come at it from. I mean, it, it would make like if you're if you're a, a strict acolyte of the temple of the tank, then no, but maybe yes, as long as you keep your other first rounders. Like it's very hard. So so I think Miami's got the control, and if they want them, they'll take them. So that's the first team that stands out. The next team that stands out is unquestionably the Carolina Panthers. Panthers it yeah. is is what if I told you you could go from one of the premier running quarterbacks in the league to one of the premier running quarterbacks in the league question mark in two years right like the 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 you anticipated very well the potential fall off of Newton with the draft pick of Will Greer in a vacuum now you saw Will Greer play some football at the NFL level this yeah, year. Yeah, didn't, didn't look work. pretty. Didn't look pretty. It doesn't look out. like we've got what we need right, right now. So you can stick with developing Greer if you need to. You can stick with developing Kyle Allen if you really think that's the case. I look at this new owner, David Tepper. Does not seem to me like the, uh, a sort of guy who's going to sit there and see, let's see if we can develop Will Greer into a no. functional starter. It's especially, an aggressive young it's, man. Right, especially as aggressive as they're being cleaning house, right? you got to think right. that they're, they're probably going to keep that same mindset going into the quarterback position. So, if we're aggressive, we're more likely to draft Tua than a team that's conservative, that's unwilling to potentially swing and miss hugely on a top five pick. So, Carolina sticks out to me as the team that makes sense. We have a, a, a new coaching staff that's going to be in the building. We have a, a, a new approach from the owner. We, if we have an analytic approach, then the analytics is going to tell you, listen, the draft is always a crapshoot. So, the... <laughs> right. The... What's that? I know I said right. The, I mean, the draft is a crap right. shoot. I mean, the yeah. draft is like you are not nearly as good at drafting as you think you are. That's so if not you true. say, "Oh, Tua's more likely to bust because he's injured," I'm here to tell you everybody's more likely to bust than you think they are. So go after it, right? Let's go for it. Um, so you have that. I would say the Panthers are a strong number two contender right now in terms of teams. I would project favorably towards aggressively going after Tua in the event that they they, they think he's healthy. You know who I the throw in there. Pass. You know who I throw What's in that? there? Raiders. Raiders. Yep. Yeah. Oh wow, that was so cute. Let's do that forever. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, I do. the Raiders. I'll tell you something right now. Gruden and Mayock are going to sit down in a room with forty-five minutes for two, and they're going to be willing to sell the half of Las Vegas to go get him. There's no way they believe in Carr that much to stay away from Tua. And I think that Mayock and Gruden. Here's the here's the interesting thing because I agree with you your your first point about Miami. Not only is Miami picking ahead of all of these other teams, the Chargers, the Panthers, maybe the Jaguars, the Raiders, the Colts, the Buccaneers, the whoever. They're picking in front of all of these teams, so they already have a head start. 
they also have the most ammunition to possibly trade up if they need to. If I'm the Raiders or the Bucks or even the Chargers or the Panthers, I'm talking to the Lions right now. Like, I am doing what... I am trying to figure out what that price tag is to get up to number three. And I, I think I don't think you pull the trigger quite yet because you've got to figure out what's there for Tua. Obviously, the combine is going to be really important, sitting down with him. He's, I mean, he's going to be great in interviews. Tua's a great kid. So that's not the part that I'm worried about. But you've already got to figure out what the price is because if you let Miami, even into the discussion with Detroit, they're going to be able to outbid you. But for a team like the Raiders, I could see the Raiders, it'd be smart for them to get in with Detroit right now, playing a little buddy-buddy with their front front office, trying to get ahead of Miami in that sense, because I do think that the Raiders are going to be a team that are going to be aggressive for it. I don't think they're all in on Carr. Right now they have picks number 12 and pick number 19. So they've got the two first-round picks. They can make it work. They've got plenty of ammunition. That's enough. They've got stuff next year too as well, you know, if they need to get up to number three for Detroit. So we might see an arms race here for that number three overall pick. Right. I would like to say I disagree with you on I would call Detroit now. I'd I'd, I'd try to figure out what the price is now. Well, I think the issue is if you start trying to figure out what the price is now, then Detroit can say it's X. And then after a three-month MRI when it seems like two is going to be good Detroit can come back and say brother <laughs> price is y hmm. you know what i mean like x plus um to i would want my move to get in position for tua to be swift and silent in the night brother like i would want it one day to be like wonder if detroit's gonna move and then the next day be like carolina now owns a number three overall yeah pick. so wow. that's that's i guess that's that's what i was trying to say there so maybe maybe you're not even waiting for that mri thing maybe if you're the raiders or somebody else you're doing a crap ton of independent research on this so you can make the call before he even gets the mri like like you're saying like basically you're talking to detroit and you're making the deal and you're getting it done like immediately you can't let these other teams mm-hmm. in on it right and I, I guess, like, I don't know. If I felt comfortable that five different teams would call Detroit and be like, what would it hypothetically be? Then I guess I would. But like I was saying, like I would not want this to be a situation where, like, I feel it out based off of stock and what's going to move where. And, like, oh, like, maybe what the price is. And then we'll check back in after the combine. Like, because everybody knows it's Tua and everybody knows it's medicals. And there's no hiding that. And, and the medical dates are going to be clean and clear like it's gonna we're gonna right. know when they're coming right and then also you gotta know before then not, it's, and also you're really not gonna be getting prepared proprietary information from what i understand i could be completely wrong on that but from what i understand two is gonna go get checked out all the teams are gonna get that info now your team could come in and get more medical info when they invite to for a pre-draft visit but generally team's gonna be working from the same place so like i said i would want my move for Tua to be the second i got the green light the second i felt comfortable with it mm-hmm. Call Detroit and say, listen, we're making a deal in the next four hours. Yeah. Now, I would have want them to know that I was that desperate. But, like, right. my plan would be to call them and say, like, let's bang this thing out. What are you talking? Um, that would be my approach. It's hard to get leverage from Detroit, though. You know, because the, the, only, the only way that you could get leverage on Detroit is if you use fear against them. Like saying, hey, right now... Like if, like, if the Raiders called Detroit today and they basically said, like, hey, we'll give you both our ones and a two and a three next year, 
to move up. I, I, I don't know. I'm just off the top of my head here. Whatever it is. Like, we'll do this right now. You have, you have basically like 30 minutes to accept this deal. And the only way that, because De- Detroit holds all the cards, right? If they sit here and wait, then they know, like you just said there, there's probably five or six other teams that they could pick up the phone and be like, hey, the Raiders just offered us two first round picks for three. What are you going to offer us? And they could just keep driving the price up. But the only way that you would possibly have leverage against Detroit to make, to stop this from being a runaway train, if you will, of value is if you maybe get a deal done before the combine and say, hey, you know, if Tua's medicals aren't so good, then uh, maybe you won't make a trade at all, you know? And so, like, something like that, you know, where you'd have to, I think, almost leverage fear against them. That's the only way that I can think that you could get, you could stranglehold Detroit at all, or at least just not let them call their own price, because if not, there's just too many teams that would want a guy like this if he's healthy. Right. I think the biggest issue when you look at calling Detroit is Detroit can throw back at you like, brother, we need Jeffrey Aguda. <laughs> we're not getting him if we go much further back. Like, we're talking about this like it's a two-player draft right now because I think, not two-player draft, but like two-player opener because like, I think since he uh, since he, Joe Burrow is locked, mm-hmm. and then I think everybody expects Washington to take Chase Young, even with their their current edge situation. And then we're like, oh, and the Lions at three is where things can change. Man, the Lions could very easily slap a top five grade on Jeffrey Okuda and say good night. We'll catch you in April. They're, That's they, true. That's true. They, they need an outside corner worse than most teams in the league. Okuda's going to be a top ten pick, right? Right, and he's declared right. If they give him the grade that that the media seems to think that that generally Akuda is going to grab, then you know this all of a sudden then becomes the Giants at four, and now we enter a whole different conversation in terms of what do you need, how willing are you to trade back? Because as we all know, Dave Gettleman, who's the general manager in New York, yeah, brother has never traded back. He hasn't done do it, and is, so we're in a Detroit's got a lot of power because of that. Yeah, if, if they want to stay. Dolphins at five is the spot because four is not trading back. Gentleman does not do it. So it, it, I mean, it, the Lions, I agree, are in a spot where they have a ton of, of bargaining power. What'll lessen that is if the teams willing to get aggressive to trade up for Tua are limited. And I think that you have a good chance of that because even if you are saying to yourself, we are going to look hard at drafting Tua at seven, at 12, at 14, I it's a different conversation to spend multiple picks on a guy with the risk, sure. right? To, to spend sure. the picks to trade up. So it's hard to figure out. Yeah. You either got a quarterback or you don't though. Right. I mean, like that's what it comes down to for a lot of these teams, even for some of the teams that might not have needs right away, either have a planet quarterback or you don't. And that's why I think that you, you do have five or six, not just potential contenders, like serious contenders when it comes to Tua even with a guy with all of his medical history and uncertainty behind him. Safe to say this will not be the last time that we talk about Tua Tungvaluwa in this draft process now that he is officially in. Looking forward to the discussions there. Looking forward to him still being in the mock draft machine, I gotta say. Mock drafts were gonna look kind of, uh, kind of empty, not empty, but uh, not as fulfilling as maybe they once were if Tua decided to come back to school. Uh, Devonta Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama, he said that he is returning to school, by the way, which is an interesting decision because I thought that Devonta would have been a top 50, top 75 pick at the very least for sure. Where, do you do you think he would have been lower than that? Say it again. 
Do you think that Devonta Smith would have been lower than oh. like a top seventy-five pick? Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about Tua for a second. I was no, like, no, no, yeah, no. I'm, I'm pretty sure he would have been there. <laughs> no, um, no, I was just saying that it's kind of. I, I understand that that the wide receiver class is really good this year. Um, but I thought Devonta was ready. I feel like he's been ready. No, it's tricky. Devonta, I think, was one of the first play- people ever, first prospects ever, where I could just comfortably say. If he comes out, makes a lot of sense. If he goes back, makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously you're not playing with Tua, but the volume you got in that offense with Ruggs and Judy in yeah. the building. No, I, that's that's the reason why I think he might go back to Bama because he might have basically all of the records <laughs> from Alabama. Right, yeah. So I guess that's why he'll go. I'm disappointed though because – yeah, I know. I know you liked Devonta a lot. I, Devonta I mean, lot. it's funny because I remember last year when we had a couple of players go back, you know, we ended up saying some things such as, you know, all oh, the conversation for 2020 Q- uh, Water Super 1 is going to be crazy because of Judy and because of Lamb and because of Ruggs and because mm-hmm. of whoever. Now here we are. Boy, Devonta, Jalen Waddle, Rondell Moore, Jim Justin Waddle. Ross, yeah. Tyler Wallace is back. Wild, but man. We got ourselves a, ga- a day. Like, we're going to have a crazy wide receiver class once again. All right. Can't get too into 2021 talk, although we do get very carried away always looking to the future. Uh, it's going to be an exciting draft process. Certainly when the combine rolls around in a month, we're going to be paying very close attention to what's going on with Tua and the rest of the prospects. Later on this week, we got some college football to talk about. We're going to preview the national championship and then as well as another weekend full of NFL playoff action. We're going to get into some scouting reports too. We're, I, I'm excited to really dive into those. That's what we're going to be getting into more over the next couple of weeks. Certainly as the Shrine Bowl is what it's called now. It's not just the Shrine Game. It is the Shrine Bowl rolling her up next week and then the Senior Bowl the week after that. So we're going to get into some the nitty-gritty of what Ben and I really think of this class, top to bottom, position by position. It's going to be exciting. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.